Welcome to the Sunday session on NRL.com. A little bit of a disrupted, uh, rescheduled round 20. My name is Chris Kennedy. My usual co-pilot, Kenny Scott, is not here this week. He's off on baby duty, so our best wishes to Kenny and his partner. Instead, I am joined by the ring-in Dan Walsh, NRL.com reporter, man about town. Dan, thank you for being here. Uh, yeah, talking about disruption, CK. No, Kenny, I don't know what to tell uh, <laughs> There's no shame in... Admitting that I'm not Kenny Scott, actually. <laughs> I'd like to advertise that, actually. I am not it's Kenny Scott. on your business card. Dan yeah. Walsh, not Kenny Scott. Yeah. Uh, man about town is probably also a stretch at the moment in lockdown, but well, that's yeah. the beauty of it. When, uh, yeah, you can't really knock back these sort of requests because no. there's no excuses. You know man where I am. You know what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah, you've got me. No <laughs> no um, let's talk some footy. We've just seen the end of Absolutely. a... Uh, a bit of a demolition. Um, Bunnies and the Dragons, 50 points to 14. This one finished up. An absolute Latrell Mitchell, Cody Walker masterclass. I was just polishing off uh, a bit of post-game analysis. And I think Latrell was about 15 busts and two tries. Cody Walker, four try assists and a try. They were, um, you know, Dragons, I think, missing four of their, um, the COVID-12, the um, the barbecue gate barbecue bands um, and yeah didn't really fire a, a shot other than a, probably a little bit of a resurgence late in the, the first half when uh, Ben Hunt set up a couple of tries but one way traffic other than that Yeah it doesn't look good for the Dragons uh, the one silver lining they've had yeah, talking to the club before they came into this game was that this is the last of their bands to be served this week uh, and they're meant to they were actually saying we should have, like with their injuries and whatnot as well, they should have a full host of people to choose from. Uh, mate, geez, they need it, is all I'll say, because, yeah, 50 to 14, not a great scoreline. They weren't really in it at all, really. And, uh, yeah, it's at the point where well, uh, today is actually the mid-season transfer deadline. As far as I know, they were offering um, players to the Warriors rather than looking to add to that squad at all. So... What they've got is what they've got to work with. But, yeah, they're on the precipice of the eight. They're, um, they're four and against. It's just taken a massive whack in that one. And, yeah, over the next five games, I think the four and against is actually really going to come into play because we've got, what, five or six teams, probably five teams or so pushing around that area of the top eight. And it's going to come down to, wouldn't be surprised, one of these big losses is really going to cost one of these teams probably a finals berth. Yeah, we did the. Um, we were asked to do this, uh, the experts' view, a week or two ago on which two teams we all thought were going to take the bottom two spots of the top eight. And I think a, a lot of us picked the Sharks as one of the two teams, just with their sort of relatively soft, soft draw. And almost no one tipped the Dragons, even though they were seventh at the time, to to stay in the top eight, just with the disruption through the squad and the um, the, the toughness of their remaining draw. And yeah, probably. Most of us expected South to, to beat them, if not do a number on them today. But like you say, that the loss plus the, the hit to the four and against, they're, um, they're in a precarious position now. Mm. And uh, yeah, my tip actually to go through to the top eight with the Sharks was the Titans. And uh, they're in action tomorrow against Canterbury. Who, the Dogs have been a fair bit better in recent weeks, uh, must be said. But surely, you know, Gold Coast, you'd back them in. And yeah, two points there would take them up above the up above the dragons on for and against so yeah they could be they could be uh, sitting in ninth spot by the end of the weekend 
What about the uh, the Rabbitohs? We all know they copped those two enormous losses uh, in short succession to the Storm and the Panthers earlier in the season, but they've been extremely tough to beat other than that. Um, only three losses uh, all year. Um, they've put some huge scores on teams, 50 points today. Uh, like I said, Latrell, Mitchell, Cody Walker, Adam Reynolds, all sensational uh, in that one. Their, their forward pack doesn't really have too many, uh, too many weaknesses. So, you know, other than the, the magical stat line of you can't win the comp if you've conceded 50 points in a game, there's not much else that... Shout out to Scotty Bailey. Yeah, <laughs> the Scotty Bailey stat. Um, but yeah, they're sitting in third. They're a uh, they're two wins clear of the fourth-placed uh, Eels at the moment, just a win behind Penrith, who obviously uh, we'll talk about in a second. So other than having had a couple of heavy losses this year, things are, are going pretty good for the Bunnies. Well, I think that, that historical stat, I think when it happened, when it happened the first time, my initial thought was, well, the Rabbitohs are going to be as well-placed as any team to, to prove that history wrong because you've got the Wayne Bennett factor, the trail, Cody Walker, that left side when it gets firing, it's without peer. But uh, when it happened twice, I think, like, yeah, you kind of pulled back a bit and thought, uh, yeah, maybe, that, maybe there is just that soft element to them. Again, the question I think for Seats going forward is how they play against Melbourne. Uh, they haven't been able to get the wood on, and no one has, to be fair. But Storm have really had their number of late. And, yeah, from what – that's really the next test for them. They just haven't uh, – they haven't been able to match them in recent years. And for all the points they can put on against, uh, you know, the lower t- the lower teams, that's what they'll be aiming for. And they know that, they know that as well. But, yeah, as far as tuning up in a post-origin phase – Guys like Cameron Murray are looking good. They're looking fit and healthy. That's a real big thing as well. And, uh, yeah, Latrell, when the bloke's full of confidence, he is a type, He is the type of player who can take down Melbourne before he's done it in a grand final. Mm. Yeah. It he just is a wild card. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That run, uh, Jai Arrow scored the try the play after, but Latrell carried five or six defenders. He sort of... You know, half broke the line and smashed through five or six blokes and almost got to the, the line himself on a 20-metre run from a standing start and the, the defence just couldn't recover. It's those sort of impact moments that can really turn games. Oh, and it's just something you can't defend for. And that's, I think we've seen over the years, that as much as anything with Melbourne is how you beat them. And there's no secret there. They're, they're the team to beat at the moment. And yeah, Seats as much as anyone, uh, yeah, looking the most likely. Especially Speaking. after the Penrith result we saw today, yeah. Hmm. Speaking of uh, Melbourne and Penrith and that result, 37 points uh, to 10. The, the Storm got there, obviously a very understrength Penrith side. A game we've been talking about for months as being, you know, the top two, the, the great clash. And then Penrith, you know, not just missing Nathan Cleary, who's been out for a while, but they've lost, you know, Happy Coruscant to a short-term suspension. Isaiah Yo copped a head knock last week, had to sit out. Brian Toto, who's been one of their most important players all year. And I think we saw it in this game with the lack of impact on the start of sets from, from Staines in particular, and also Jennings. Toto was a, a massive out. And then, you know, Fisher-Harris for the birth of his child. Um, you know, those outs, uh, Penrith just never really in it uh, against a, a very slick Storm team that almost seems unfair. But they started the game, Harry Grant back from injury and Ryan Pappenhausen still easing his way back. Both of those two guys on the bench. Yeah, that was it. Um, there was one point where Nico Hines uh, limped off a little bit with an ankle injury and yeah, you and I, we both sit on Twitter a fair bit and we see it and you, know, you see the world caving in. And then you watch Ryan Pappenhausen run out there. Like It's just incredible what they've got. Uh, 
I looked at, I covered this game and so I was looking at it um, and talking to the Storm through the week. Uh, they were saying uh, they still don't know what their best 17 is, which is remarkable for a team that's now gunning for 17 wins straight and they're up there with one of the best teams of all time. Uh, they're still working out how they best play Brandon Smith, Harry Grant, Ryan Pappenhausen, Nico Hines, how that dynamic works. Uh, it's fascinating. I think and I think that might be the word for it. They're dynamic and fluid. Like it's just, they can move in any which direction. And you see that when uh, early in the second half, there was a bit of a bit of a lull in the game, and um, Penrith was slowly working their way back into it. It's probably a stretch because they were down eighteen nil, but they were holding their own a little bit. Matt Burton was starting to do some good things, and then yeah, uh, Brandon Smith whacked somebody, changed it. Dale Finucan whacked somebody, changed the game completely. Jesse Bromwich backed his way over and scored. So Finucan is not the guy you'd expect as a game changer, but he's still just a, such a class player that they've got him in that mix. And yeah, and then you've got your Munsters, your Pappenhausens, your Brandon Smiths, your Jerome Users, these guys that can just take a game away from you in the blink of an eye. And they're doing it standing on their head at the moment. Melbourne barely got out of second gear there, admittedly against a Penrith team that's missing a third of their best. But, yeah, it was impressive stuff to watch. It's an interesting point about what their best team uh, looks like. I mean, we've seen sort of Nico Hines in the past fortnight, you know, slide into dummy half, you know, probably not so much this game, but the, the week before, and then finished the game in the halves this week because Jerome Hughes, I don't know if that was mm. more precautionary, but a bit of a, a calf issue or whatever, he went off uh, early, which sort of allowed Pappenhausen and Hines to both get on the field um, together. But at some point, you know, they're going to be involved in big games, in finals, probably a grand final, and they're going to have to shoehorn all these players into the same 17 and then work out what to do with them. But, I mean, you're right. Everyone just, you know, they're, they're so versatile and, and the, the key players can move around and fill different spots that it, um, you know, it's, just, it's almost just a case of getting them all out there and, you know, they know what to do. Yeah, well, a fully fit Melbourne 17, you're looking at potentially Kamakamika, Nelson Asafa Solomona on the bench, and then, yeah, you've got Nico Hines and Harry Grant, potentially, or a Brandon Smith. Uh, Nico, Nico's great in terms of he, uh, he owns this as well. He's had that stat where he was 18th man for New South Wales and 18th man for the Storm last year in the GF. Jeez, uh, you wonder if, like, yeah, if for the sake of, if it was a cold and wet night on grand final night, would you carry a bloke in a fully strict, in a fully fit uh, Melbourne Storm 17? It's... It's a question and that, yeah, it's Craig Bellamy in charge. So uh, you're not going to question his decision on that either way. But yeah, it's just a mark of how good they are at the moment. And it's, it's honestly them and the length of the straight uh, five weeks out from the finals. It's going to take, it, it will, something will change. But yeah, at this stage, yeah, Melbourne are just so far ahead of everyone else. It's a bit scary. Yeah, and I mean, the difference between those two teams today, you talk about Penrith having players out, but Storm have had players out all year. Pappenhausen's hardly played, Harry Grant's hardly played, all their key forwards have missed time. Um, you know, they've had issues everywhere. You know, you saw you know, Jordan Grant played, you know, 26 minutes today. We've had, you know, Chris Lewis, who's a um, great fellow bit on the podcast a couple of times uh, this year already. He's, he's played, I think, all bar three games. Now, if you looked at the squad at the start of the year, you wouldn't have said... Uh, Chris Lewis was close to the, the best 17, but he's played in the halves a couple of times. He's played in the, the back row. He's filled in a number of spots and done a, a terrific job. And it's just, it's the Bellamy way is these players just come in and they know their jobs and they get the job done. 
Mm. Uh, just on the Penrith guys, actually, there is a bit of respite for them. So Isaiah Yo's concussion recovery, that's gone well. He'll be back against the Roosters on Saturday. That's going to be a great, decent, that's going to be a great game on that. I think it's Saturday night. Yeah, so Isaiah's back. Happy's uh, suspension ends as well. So that's going to be big, been around the ruck. Isaiah adds so much as that ball playing lock. Uh, incredibly underrated, even though he is now, he's one of the first guys picked for New South Wales. But um, yeah, he adds so much around that ruck. Matty Burton, I thought, had some good moments today. Jerome Luai was pretty quiet. And they're obviously a different team without Nathan Cleary. But um, the other wild card in there is Tavita Pangai Jr. Pangai. comes yeah. back in as well. Yeah. And uh, it was pointed out uh, this morning, I think, that uh, it'll be Pangai Jr. up against Victor Bradley, which is uh, just fantastic if you remember the last time those two went together. Mm. Uh, Victor, suspension uh, waiting to happen. Yeah, Victor got a bit hot in with the collar and uh, unfortunately cost himself a New South Wales start. But, um, yeah, it'll be entertaining anyway for those of us who don't have to worry about the suspensions and what could mm. potentially come of that one. But, yeah, that Roosters-Penrith game takes on a bit of a different dimension after the, the results of the weekend, the Roosters on the way up again. And Penrith, yeah, that's easily their biggest hurdle this year. Uh, both teams with massive uh, injury, you know, casualty wards at the moment. Just on Burton and Luai, I wonder if Ivan's got those two possibly back back to front and round the wrong way. I thought Luai looked a bit restricted in terms of his, you know, running game and the sort of the dynamic dimension that he offers sort of trying to run the team. And Burton, who, I mean, he's been playing in the centres all year. I just don't know if he's, you know, Penrith's kept him and refused to release him early, which was the, the right move clearly because of how much Burton's had to do for them this year. But playing in the centres all year, he hasn't really had a chance to, to polish his halves game. And I mean, I'm sure the Bulldogs will be frustrated by it, but I feel like Penrith could really use him at the moment as a, a number seven, a controlling number seven. Let, you know, have him as the, the absolute like for like Nathan Cleary replacement. I know no one's you know directly going to replace Nathan Cleary, but have him assume that role and those responsibilities, allow Luai to play the way that he normally plays. Um, you know, Burton sort of take all the, the controlling and the, the long kicking up, um, you know, that persistence with Tyrone May in the, the number seven. Mm. Um, and now with sort of, you know, Luai going to seven and Burton to six instead of the other way around. I wonder if they might've just missed a bit of a trick with the way they're using him. Yeah. I think you might, I'm not so much. I think they, yeah, I'm not sure why there is a bit of, there does seem to be a reluctance to use Matty Burton in that uh, game management type of role, maybe because his running game and his, yeah, I guess, typical 5-8 type of game, your Jack Whiten style uh, approach to it, maybe because he is so good at it, maybe it's they kept him, they didn't want to take away from a strength by covering, you know, weakness is a tough word to use, but, you know, covering another error in the, in the team. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting in terms of Maddie's development because this is the second year he spent out of the halves because last year, like a lot of reserve graders, didn't see a lot of ball game, ball time at all. So, yeah, it's um, he, he'll eventually get there, of course. He's a phenomenal talent. And, um, yeah, the boot on him and the footwork on him, uh, given time, yeah, he'll just come in and do his own. But uh, how he's used the rest of this year when Nathan does come back is going to be very interesting as well. Uh, I imagine you keep him out there at centre, but... Uh, yeah, I thought it was one of his better games again today, even that been a little bit quiet over the last couple of weeks, but of anyone in that Penrith team, he looked the most likely. 
Yeah, no, 100% agree. Um, the first Sunday game, which was the uh, the remaining three of the, the Saturday postponed games, the uh, the Knights and the Raiders, 34 points to 24, a scoreline that probably flattered uh, the Raiders, two very late tries. They were well and truly out of the game um, well before the uh, the final few minutes of this one. Um, I thought a big reversal in fortunes for, for both teams. I thought the Knights were, you know, it was close to their worst performance of the year against the Roosters last week. An injury-ravaged side lost two back in the first half, absolutely right for the picking and Knights barely fired a shot whereas the, the Raiders I thought were really impressive, really physical against the Eels, really deserved their their win, a, a fantastic contest I thought and then um, both teams just went the opposite way, Knights close to their best performance of the year, started really fast, really strong in attack and defence um, scored the first three tries, had to absorb a lot of pressure early on um, they scored the first two tries and had to soak up a whole lot at their own line, went down the other end and, and scored again. And the Raiders just absolutely none of that physical intensity we saw against the Eels last week. They'd won three straight, looked like they were going on a bit of a roll and a uh, chance to push into the eight and uh, missed a big opportunity. Yeah, how was, uh, I didn't get to watch Ricky Stewart's press conference, but how was he afterwards? Because for a coach who prides himself, and the Raiders have prided themselves on their resilience and... Uh, ability to stay in a contest this was over within about 25 minutes wasn't it like Newcastle didn't seem like they were being headed so how how did Sticky go because he can have a 90 second press conference in him when when he's lost for words and doesn't want to cop himself a fine he tends to say he tends to go with less is more what was his assessment of it I've sat in a couple of those 30 to 40 second Ricky Stewart presses over the years it's uh you just don't know what to do do you you, you There's not much he can do because he's not taking questions. He says, yeah. I've done my job, and then he walks out, and then you go, oh, well, that was Ricky. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was actually all right. It went for a couple of minutes. There wasn't a whole lot he could say, really. He was very, very strong on, you know, the disruption had nothing to do with it. You know, obviously all sides were disrupted from yesterday, but he said that's absolutely no excuse. We were we went out onto the field well prepared and ready to play well, and we knew what we were doing. And then he was just really, really disappointed that they started so poorly. They, you know, they knew they had to start well and um, just completely weren't able to do it. They totally missed the jumper against the Knights, who um, were fantastic to start the game. And I think that's what Stick was most disappointed about was the fact that he did feel they were well prepared and um, adapted to, you know, the curveballs that the competition has been thrown. He was very, um, a lot of thanks and praise for um, for the NRL, for Andrew Abdo, Peter Volandis, the Queensland government for, for getting the games back on and um, absolutely no excuses at all. Just said we, we started really poorly and um, that shouldn't have happened. Yeah, well, in ter- and in terms of the Knights, um, this was effectively, like, I, I was a bit like you, having watched them, yeah, really flounder against the Storm and the Roosters, just did not fire a shot. I'd pretty much written them off by this point, and I had the Raiders as morals today. But uh, this is effectively match must win because uh, confirmed the draw is not going to change for them. So they, they're looking at a four-day turnaround up against the Broncos. Now, that's a, that's a game on paper Newcastle should win, and they need to win it to stay in the finals hunt. But Potentially today, if they had lost, they're then on a four-day turnaround in, into a game they should win. If that if that goes the wrong way, they're suddenly you know, they're two, if not four points adrift to the eight. And yeah, it's you know they're looking at four or five losses on the trot. It's looking bad for them. So I don't think it can be overstated how crucial that was today. And uh, from what I saw, Bradman Best was just a absolute breath of fresh air for him down that left. Uh, the kid's an absolute beast and they couldn't handle him, could they? 
No, Adam O'Brien was particularly complimentary towards Bradman Best. He said he was close last week, but decided to just get a play it safe, get a bit more conditioning into him. Um, I saw Callum Ponga spoke after the game as well, and they both just absolutely delighted to have Bradman back. He's, um, you know, for a, still a very young kid, uh, absolute professional and, and loves the game. And um, he, he made such a huge difference, not just, you know, he, he's really strong with his carries, obviously, and makes a huge impact when he touches the ball. But even just having him out there, I think the defence knows what a threat he is and that sort of puts them a bit more on guard for, for everyone else around him. We saw Inari, yeah. Inari Tuala finished up with a hat-trick. Ponga himself carved through for a try on that left edge and obviously Bradman uh, got one of his own. So that whole night's left edge attack just completely revamped, I think, by um, Bradman's inclusion, which made a, a huge difference. Well, I think that's been a big issue for the Knights this year for periods, especially with our junior, without Mitch Pierce for a long time. Um, their attack at times looked a bit like give it to Ponga, which is, yeah, it's not a, it's not entirely, you know, you can understand it on some levels because the bloke is that good. But, yeah, the, the lack of uh, variety to their attack has been an issue this year. But, yeah, so it sounds like Mitch Pearce will get on the paddock uh, in round 21. So that yeah. adds, yeah, just the, these points of difference in attack. And like you said, the threat, when there's 13, 13 blokes anticipated only one, you know, one attacking player is going to give them trouble. That's pretty, that's as easy as it gets in the NRL. But yeah, when you add in, you know, both sides of it, a kid like Bradman Best getting one-on-one with his uh, with his opposite number, then yeah, signs of life yet for Newcastle, which is good to see, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ponga, like you said, he's he is that good. He's a huge threat. But when he's the only bloke that's creating anything, the only bloke that's going to get the ball when there's something on, it makes it a lot easier for the defence to handle and, and mark up on them. But when you've got, you know, someone with the experience of Mitch Pierce on the other side and then Bradman Best out wide and there's sort of multiple points of threat to, to look out for, it then creates a lot more opportunity for someone like Ponga to, to capitalise. Um, Adam O'Brien said Pierce was pretty close this week, but um, obviously safety first and he'll be good to go. Um, the Thursday game. He was a bit flummoxed on um, how they were going to do the uh, the four-day recovery. He said, uh, we, like, without yeah. any shadow of complaint, he said, totally prepared to do it and um, probably not going to get a, a field session in. We're not even sure if we're allowed to use the pool at the moment. We'll just do our do our ice bars and do our video and, uh, and do our best. But, um, yeah, it's interesting too. Jaden Braley spoke after the game who copped a, a really heavy knock. He sort of went in to tackle Josh Papali'i and copped a, a shoulder to the jaw. And I, I didn't think he was going to come back, but he passed his halftime HIA and finished out the game. And he said after the game as well, he was absolutely prepared to play after four days and had no intention of, uh, of sitting the next one out. Yeah, well, they play the Broncos in any case. And uh, yeah, coming off a, off a win... Not bad for the Bronx, uh, and <laughs> as a Broncos fan, it's um, few and far between. You're, uh, yeah, I must say, it's a very different preparation compared to over you know, the last 18 months compared to previous years. Uh, going into games uh, pessimistic rather than optimistic, but um, some really, yeah, some strong signs out there. Admittedly, the Cowboys are world beaters; they didn't light it up on Friday night, but uh, the Bronx, that right edge especially with Jordan Ricky and uh, and Katoni really looking good and yeah, potentially marking up on uh, Brad, Brad and Best and Callum Ponga coming down that channel again on, on Thursday night. So should be, yeah, be good one to watch anyway. I think it's up on the Sunshine Coast as well, depending on, of course, uh, what happens in the next four days and we know anything can. Well, with a, a big asterisk over it, um, 
obviously, but yes, yeah, slated for the Sunshine Coast as we speak. Bit of a shame with Katoni um, going out for the, the season. He was just starting to look oh, really... Oh, of course. Yep. Um, there you go. There's that pessimism. <laughs> it's back. Star player going down. Yeah, yeah. To burst that bubble. Yeah, yeah. But the important thing was, uh, so it was an MCL, the, the knee, uh, but the Broncos stressed that the ACL, the big one, absolutely fine, wasn't touched at all. So it's the ligament on the inside of his knee. Uh, it's usually about a four to six week injury. So Katoni will be back for pre-season at least when things get really interesting in terms of five-eighth or centre. But yeah, mm. the important thing is the ACL is okay. Yeah, it's uh, certainly a relief for Katoni, who's uh, had a few injury woes of late. The the Broncos overall, 37 points to 18, the, the final score, always good, obviously, to get a, a derby win up. Um, I'm really liking what Tyson Gamble's doing at the moment. One of those guys who I think you'd probably really hate to be playing against if you were out there, just gets under an opponent's skin. But uh, he had three try assists in this one, and uh, I'm not sure how many blokes he... Uh, he irritated it along the way, but um, he's uh, he's turned Double into a real asset. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's a really uh, I've had a little bit to do with Tyson over the years. He's uh, he's been around for a while. I think he's twenty five, mm. I believe. Well, he certainly he's down at the Tigers. He's been around at Redcliffe for a while. Um, nicest bloke you'll meet off the field. Very knockabout. Very good on the chat. You know, as we both know, some footy players. Few words. Tyson, not that at all. Uh, yeah. Very handy for a conversation on the field. Also handy for a conversation, and uh, <laughs> and I certainly seen him. Yeah, he, he he knows. He's like, yep. Most of the blokes out there would like to belt me if they can. Yep. Uh, so <laughs> I think he gets told that a fair bit. But yeah, in terms of what he, so he obviously adds a bit of mongrel to the Broncos team that just hasn't been there for the last eighteen months or so. But as um, as a fighter, he's a good big body, and. It's going to be interesting when he and Katoni do. I I don't think it's Katoni's been lined up for the five eight jersey. I don't think it's as cut and cut and dry as it's been painted, because he's signed his lucrative deal. He's he's at the Broncos long term. The suggestion and obviously uh, throughout the game, centre is not one of the uh, least lucrative positions. I'm trying to phrase this correctly, but. The money is not at centre. The money's in the halves and at 5'8". Katoni has effectively got his 5'8 money playing you know, uh, in terms of... He's got he's got the deal he deserves to stay at Brisbane. In terms of playing 5'8", though, he looks fantastic at right centre. And Tyson Gamble's showing plenty, especially when you think about him in combination with Adam Reynolds, who's a fantastic organising, game-managing half. Tyson Gamble's been doing a fair bit of that this year. That's not his natural strength, though. He's a ball runner. He's a niggler. He's he's Josh Reynolds with about six to eight inches of height on him. And so that type of element in a young Broncos side, fill it with confidence. And, uh, yeah, it can go places. So Tyson's, yeah, put it this way, he's impressing me anyway. Well, you would look at the team they've got next year and the way it all pieces together, the way Tyson's going at the moment, Adam Reynolds coming in. It looks like Reynolds and Gamble is actually a really well-balanced halves combination. Gamble, that big, aggressive running 5'8", the, the Josh Reynolds, the Jack Whiten sort of style who can, um, you know, create something out of nothing and get under opponent's skin, whereas Reynolds, the little general with the great kicking game and the good talker on the field. And Katoni Staggs, just a brilliant strike centre. You, you know, you shoehorn Katoni Staggs into the 5'8", throw you probably have to drop Tyson Gamble you're weakening a strength and, and losing another strength I would say you know regardless of how much you've paid 
Katoni, and even if it's way too much to be paying a, a centre, the, the best balance for the team that they're going to have next year is surely Reynolds 7, Gamble 6 and Katoni at the centres. Mm. And they were in the market for Dane Gagai, which absolutely fair enough, a team that absolutely needs experience. But now having missed out on Dane, who's off to the Knights, uh, yeah, I don't see a reason why you need to move Katoni from centre where he's obviously going quite well. And he's also said he enjoys, he likes playing out at centre. But yeah, at this stage, he's still only, what is he, about four games back from an ACL. He's now going to be injured again. It might be just too much to put those, those ball-playing duties on him. Uh, it's one for next year, of course. But yeah, it's an interesting dynamic that Kevin Walters has got to work with there. What about the Cowboys? I actually tipped them. Uh, in this one, I have some regrets about that uh, presently, but um, yeah, they've uh, after a little sort of resurgence mid-season, they've really dropped off. Uh, unfortunately, I know they're missing a, a few players. They're you know trying to make do with Jake Granville at fullback, which uh, certainly wouldn't have seen coming a, a few weeks ago. But um, yeah, just disappointing across the board, really. Yeah, and uh, Todd Payton, he doesn't mince words at all. Uh, you know, it's fantastic to see from a coach, but and they, he didn't. He didn't miss a trick either himself. He was, you know, just quite despondent and lamenting the lack of desire for a team. You know, this was really, they had to win. And I think now, now I think they've got to win their last five remaining games to even get close to the top eight. Uh, I think that's beyond them. And yeah, it's a bit of a, it's a season of missed opportunity for Pato in his first up there at the Cowboys. There's been some great signs, but all in all, they just haven't got it. I don't think they've got the balance right. They're still working out what to do with Jason Tomalolo. And obviously things are going to change when their halves arrive next year. Uh, yeah, there will be... It's a work in progress, the Cowboys. But yeah, very disappointing on a Friday night. Looking uh, back even further to the Tigers and the Warriors game, this is the point of the podcast where I'd usually just uh, sit back and take a sip of my drink and let the uh, the resident embittered uh, Tigers fan go off on his uh, huge tangent or a rant, but Kenny's not here. I, I don't know if you've got a, a similarly uh, vexed rant about the uh, the quality of what the Tigers produced in this one, but um, uh, I know Tigers fans were not best impressed with uh, how they managed this game. No, I think uh, I think it's for the best. Like, have we actually checked on Kenny? Is he? Okay? <laughs> I'm hoping he's got bigger things to worry about at the moment. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, the fallout's been pretty severe. Um, yeah, the Tigers have been back page news yesterday. There's you know there's a line that uh, Madge has only got the remaining five games of his season to uh, to ensure that he keeps his job. I'm not entirely sure about that, but. A lot is being made about um, Tim Sheens coming in as the uh, over in football director type role. Uh, again, that's another one. Putting all your eggs in, obviously it's not all the eggs in one basket. There's more to it. But, geez, there's a lot being made about a bloke who hasn't been in the NRL for two for 10 years. He's, uh, he's coming into a season pretty, like, he's, coming, he's been delayed by uh, COVID quarantines and all the rest of it. So there's a, there's a lot of... I guess it, it feels a little bit like they're on hold until Sheenzy gets in and gets his hands on the joint. But it's going to it's I'm really interested to see how that works because right now they've got another five weeks based in Queensland in that bubble on their own. And as we spoke about at the start of all these teams relocating, if you're going well, you're going to thrive and it's going to be a really enjoyable environment. 
if you're not, it's going to get really tough in those hotel quarantines. And uh, yeah, especially they're going back into level forward right now. And the Tigers, I can't imagine it's a happy camp. So uh, yeah, maybe it is starting to mirror. Maybe the fans have got, you know, something that's pervading the whole joint. Mm. Yeah, Friday night just wasn't, wasn't up to scratch. Yeah, I feel for Madge a little bit. He's all like from my dealings with him, he's always been a, a terrific bloke to to deal with. But it, I mean, for whatever reason, he's not getting the the best out of the players. Whether that's on him or the players or that something else at the club, you know. I know we're all looking for answers at the moment, but um, yeah, it's just been really disappointing that this game was there to be won. They should have won it a couple of times over. The the Warriors, you know, hugely impressive and resilient from them. A, a truly great win from a club that's had to deal with a whole lot this year. But um, yeah, the the Tigers just it shouldn't have been this hard for them, but they just couldn't couldn't manage their way to a win. No, and the Warriors they were missing their biggest names like Roger Tuivasa, Sheck's gone home. The emotion around that. Leeson Armour went with him, a senior figure. Vanua Blake out. Tohu Harris gone for the season. There's just so much. Yeah, and then. For the Tigers not to knock them off. And not only that, but they've lost poor old Dane Laurie, who's a bloke who has really put in this year and been one of their few bright spots. Uh, broken tibia was the was the news. So he's going to be laid up for a while. And I think the, the word is he'll be right for pre-season. But geez, there's not much to like about it. The Tigers there at the moment is that they'd be sitting, there'd be more than one or two sitting there going, just bring this season to an end. We can't make the finals. Yeah, it's at that point. But... Yeah, they've got five weeks to go, and they need to they need to pull pull something out. Otherwise, it is going to get very messy. Was it weird? I was watching that game, and I thought, like as I have the past few weeks, I thought Adam Dewey's playing really well. He always looks like he's creating something. He had, I think, he had a try, and um, you know, a lot of dangerous runs in this game. Yeah, Alex Twile played the full eighty minutes in the middle, fifty plus tackles, heaps of run meters, you know, Stefano Utikamanu has been really impressive every time he's run out there. Luciano Leilu was a big handful on the edge, breaking a, a lot of tackles. Like There are a lot of guys that look like they're putting in, but it's just team-wise and cohesion-wise just not happening for them um, at all. No, and I think uh, I don't, what, I found, what I've seen is that, yeah, some weeks it will be, and of course, losing Dame Laurie in the first minute, that's going to shake things up we saw Moses have to go back go to the back and uh he had some Mo- Moses M by himself who's been hot and cold not just this year but for a couple of years now and you know he's been a source of angst for fans as well uh he had some great moments as well but then it was counterbalanced by some really critical errors at the wrong times yep. and um yeah you mentioned uh Luch Leilua was another one that I noticed yeah, a handful, but then there were a couple of defensive misses that just crawled them. Yep. It was the timing as much as anything, and it's just yeah, stringing it all together across the park where they're just missing it at the moment. And uh, that they'd be going out like <laughs> Match Maguire, he'd 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 know every single bit of this, and I guess that's what makes it even harder for him because yeah, they've been going for a while now and just haven't been able to write it. Mm. A comparatively gentle draw if they'd won. Uh, a- a game that they probably should have won uh, on the weekend, pretty close to the cusp of the eight with some winnable games ahead and still alive for the finals. But yeah, losing to the Warriors in that one, that's just about season over, drops them to 13th and uh, a long way from uh, playing in the finals. Back to the first game of the round, 28 points to nil, the Roosters over the Eels. Um, Eels were strong yeah, favourites. Well, we're talking so... about fan angst. What have you got for us? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't, 
I'd like to have been more surprised than I was. We actually did the preview podcast on uh, on Wednesday with Alicia and Marty, and all three of us tipped the Roosters and weren't quite sure why the Eels were, were favourites. So the Roosters are missing some players. They've been good of late. Eels missing uh, Mitch Moses really badly, really struggling just to find a way to create points. I think uh, Jake Arthur's got some real touches of class around a few little things that he does with some little kicks, but I, I just don't think physically quite ready for, for NRL yet. Um, him and Dylan Brown as a combination is not happening in the halves. Dylan mm-hmm. Brown um, has been quite good at times this year, particularly with his running game, but at the moment they're, they're certainly lacking some um, some leadership and some guidance, particularly around the, uh, the halves. Um, and the Roosters just really impressive. I think, you know, Joey Manu was, was fantastic. Mm. Tedesco has been great for a couple of weeks. Sam Walker, when he doesn't get just pummeled into the turf by enormous back rowers and, and we can see a bit of his skill, he's been sensational as well. And, you know, some of the veterans in the pack, Jared, Worry Hargreaves, that sort of thing are really sort of, you know, producing some consistent footy to um, to help the side start from the, the front foot. And yeah, just a really slick performance from the Roosters who had every excuse to you know, to fold in this one with the players they're they're missing and losing more with Josh Morris out probably until yeah. the finals as well. Their their whole backline's shredded. You know, Brett Morris forced to retire, Billy Smith another season ender, Joseph Sawali a season ender, just missing all sorts of troops in the the backline, but keep getting it done. Well, yeah, I'm just wondering who they could potentially replace poor old Jay Moz with. Uh, the new the news is that uh, five weeks, so looking like he'll be back for first week of the finals but um yeah in terms of uh elsewhere in that in that back line uh, joey barner is well, he's just added another zero to his uh to his next deal fair bit of talk about that throughout the week uh not unsurprisingly the chooks are gonna they're gonna move very they're gonna move a lot to try and keep him because they know he's effectively their next he's a bloke that they can build right around he's what does he think he's about 23 but yeah, the bloke just yeah. keeps getting better and better each season. Um, the game's best centre, uh, with the potential and an eye to moving towards five eight. He won't be going to fullback with Teddy there, so that's a carrot that other clubs are potentially willing to throw at him. Uh, chiefly, the Warriors as well. They're the big one that's been named for him. But yeah, some of the stuff he did on on a Thursday night. Sorry, um, he's just got that class about him, and yeah, really nice kid. Really. F- really quite humble and um, yeah, it's just impressive to watch him go. And I, a fellow like Joey Manu is, um, is a bit of the reason why the Roosters are able to still keep kicking along. Was it, there was a stat somewhere that they're missing about 60% of their salary cap this year. Like mm. Any other club, yeah, you're down in the bottom eight, hands down, if not uh, circling the drain. The Chooks are, uh, yeah, they're equal top four now. And it's like I said, it's going to be a hell of a, uh, a Panthers game on the weekend because both teams are depleted. But yeah, I wouldn't mind the Roosters in that one based off what I saw today. Uh, yeah, even even if Nathan Cleary is coming back, I reckon, yeah, with guys like Rory Hargraves and uh, Victor Radley really pulling their weight up front, yeah, the Chooks, I don't think they can go all the way or anything like that, but they're certainly not done yet. They'll still be, you know, I reckon they'll be a preliminary finalist, that sort of territory for them. Mm. which is a hell of an effort considering what they've caught this year. Yeah, you're right about Manu. Every time I see him play fullback coming in for, for Teddy, I think he'd be starting number one at probably 
half the clubs in the, the oh. competition. He's, if not more, he's a, he's a super player. He's probably the best centre in the comp at the moment and probably a bit too good of a player to just be a centre. Um, no disrespect to centres in general, but, um, yeah, when you see him, uh, what he can do at, at fullback, he's um, yeah, potentially in line for some big dollars uh, if he chooses to move on. Yeah, well, they, uh, depending on when they ever get on the paddock again, but um, the New Zealand national team might be a way for him to transition into fullback there, given uh, yeah, Rogers now gone. But yeah, I, that might be where we first see him in the number one. But yeah, whenever he goes there, subbing in for Teddy, certainly looks like yeah, he's well and truly got the shots for it. Um, yeah, which is what makes his next contract so interesting. For sure. Well, that's all six games. We're just going to have a real quick chat about the two games uh, tomorrow while we hear the uh, the Bulldogs and the Titans. You mentioned that uh, Bulldogs been a little bit improved of late. I, uh, I'm certainly tipping the Titans, but it's one of those ones where it sort of depends which Titans team shows up. And you, the Bulldogs have, in fact, been uh, a little bit better of late. So uh, not a gimme for the Gold Coast boys. No, uh, really quite, really liking what Luke Thompson's brought of late. Uh, not playing, uh, right? Huge out. Found yeah, suspended, in the league. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if Luke Thompson was in, I'd almost um, be having a sneaky look at the at the dogs there. Uh, just like what I've seen against them from them against the, the bigger teams. You know, they've pushed Souths and the Roosters all the way. The Sharks weren't comfortable against them last week, but. Yeah, into, without that uh, that leg speed of the uh, the British Bulldog there, I think yeah, Titans should just really they should have too much. And um, the young fellow Toby Sexton looks to go there in the halves. Uh, yeah, that that'll be certainly a reason to watch tomorrow. Mm. I wonder if the extra day's recovery might help Jamal Fogarty uh, get back from his uh, compound dislocation, mm. whatever it was, because he's still in the uh, in the 19-man squad. So uh, no guarantees that Sexton holds him out if, uh, if Fogarty is fit. Are we expecting, I'm uh, pretty sure David Fafita could uh, be a, a game day benching after his well-win performance off the interchange uh, last week. So a uh, chance that he goes back to the, the pine and then gets injected after 2025 to, to run a mark like he did last week as well. Yeah, it's interesting that one. Uh, I remember when after it happened last week, uh, supposedly the chat in the sheds was that uh, Fafita wasn't incredibly impressed with how he was used, but it's hard to argue with the results, isn't it? So, uh, and I don't mind that either, to be honest. I don't mind if a bloke who's on 1.25 million doesn't want to be on the bench and wants to let his coach know about it. Yeah, so he should. <laughs> he should be an 80-minute player. But, uh, yeah, I think this is Holbrook working out how to get the best out of him because it's been a bit hit and miss this year. There's been some fantastic stuff from him, but not as much as we would have liked to have seen or the Titans would have liked to have seen. So, yeah, it'd be a very interesting one to see how they uh, how he's handled over the last five weeks, especially if they, you know, they should knock off the dogs. They should put themselves into the top eight by the end of the weekend how that progresses over the month coming. Um, yeah, it's, it'll really dictate how far they go in the competition, I think. It'll be a coaching masterclass. The um, the final game of the round, the Seagulls and the Sharks, uh, mainly with their, their superstars, you would think fairly well-rested coming out of the origin period, Turbo and DCE. Uh, ready to go. Sharks do get, um, you know, Will Chambers is in the centres allowing Connor Tracy and Braden Trindle to go into the halves with, uh, unfortunately, obviously Chad Townsend left, Sean Johnson out for the season and Matt Moreland, we don't think uh, he's going to be back. Uh, no, he's definitely won't be back. He's not in the 19-man squad. So a bit of a, a makeshift uh, halves pairing. So they might be doing a little bit tough, the Sharkies, up against uh, a Manly team that's been in great form of late. 
True, yeah, but uh, this is one of the scenarios where the Sharks can just surprise you. A guy like Connor Tracy has been fantastic. I, Super, I yeah. would be surprised if he's you know in line for a player's player or something down there at the Sharks. I know they all absolutely love him, and why wouldn't you? Because the bloke is just you put him anywhere, put him on the wing, put him at centre, utility halves, just gives just punches well above his weight. And I don't mind a halves pairing of him and Braden Trimble. I don't think they're missing a hell of a lot there compared to. You know, the guys that, for a reason, uh, Cronulla are moving on Sean Johnson and Matt Moylan staying you know, on a reduced deal next year. Uh, yeah, I don't think they're missing too much with Braden and, uh, and Connor there in the halves, but the forwards should be nice and interesting. Whenever you get, you know, guys like Toby Rudolph and Marty Tapao going at each other, that'll be great to watch. And um, Taniella Paseca is one who's... Uh, yeah, I think the quote during the week was starting to realise how big he is. Uh, and I think that is the case this year. He really is starting to throw his weight around. And yeah, the guy's like two metres tall, 120 kegs. If he throws his weight around, it makes an impact. So good to see a young front rower kind of come into his own and yeah, really start to... You can see he's enjoying his footy as they all up there at Manly. Des has got him going again. Yeah, a bit like clockwork with him. The COVID uh, reshuffle this game's ended up back at Suncorp is originally slated for Redcliffe. It's a shame it's not going to be there because that was uh, mm. Toby Rudolph's old stomping ground. He won a Intrust Cup there. He's uh, apparently been calling himself the king of Redcliffe and bragging about his, uh, his Q Cup Clive Churchill medals that he he won. So um, shame that he, he doesn't get to return to the old stomping ground. But just on the, the Manly team, there's so much... Um, ball skill and ball movement through that team. You look at Josh Schuster playing out uh, on an edge, guys like Paseco and Marty Tapao with their their offloads. You know, Dylan Walker playing as a sort of a ball-playing lock off the uh, the interchange. Jake Travojevic with his soft hands and what mm. he can do in the, the 13 um, jersey. Even Big Homoli's probably more of a runner than a passer, but, um, you know, there's big long arms. He can get a ball away as well. So plenty of threats in terms of ball movement from that Manly pack. Yeah, it's really interesting just in terms of um, that Manly team, how it's, yeah, I think like it's hard to, hard to forget that at the start of the year, people were wondering about Des's future at the joint. Uh, but it just seems to, when Des gets a team clicking, they seem to really click. And it's those, we saw it a couple of years ago when they ran all the way through the finals despite a massive injury toll. Yeah, guys like Brad Parker playing out of his skin and he's doing it again. Uh, you know, like your Morgan Harpers, your Hamolos, like these guys that don't really register until yeah, someone turns around and Manly's won five or six on the trot and they're doing fantastic things. It's yeah, it's always fun to watch Des work his magic when it not that you know, sometimes it doesn't work and uh, you know, Canterbury fans will be the first to tell you that. But yeah, it's it's good to watch when they're going. Dylan Walker in the middle, especially, is one you know most footy fans wouldn't think would work at all. But at the moment, it is. Uh, it'll be interesting against a strong team like a well Melbourne next week is going to be fascinating in terms of if Walk stays in the middle there because I'm sure they give him a working out defensively. But uh, yeah, so far it's working. It's yeah, it's it's something probably most didn't see see coming. Certainly not after a month into the season. Well, as a Kenny substitute, you've certainly managed to uh, give the punters value for money. That one's run a little bit longer than we uh, we usually go for, but plenty of good stuff in there for, uh, I mean, we're all in lockdown. What else have we got to do but uh, digest plenty of uh, rugby league news and views? So uh, many thanks for uh, for diving in on that one, Walshy, and uh, thanks to everyone for listening. We'll be back uh, this time next week, we think, to wrap up round 21. Yep. Kenny, please come back, mate.